You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 221, Feng Shui Practitioner Training. What you need to know before you get started. Welcome to episode 221 of the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. We teach feng shui online at mindfuldesignschool.com. You can visit our website, mindfuldesignschool.com. We have a mailing list and special events only available to our newsletter subscribers. So we really encourage you to sign up for it. You can go to mindfuldesignschool.com slash join or click through on the show notes and check us out. So... Today, we thought we would talk about the hows, the whys, the what's of training to become a feng shui consultant or a feng shui practitioner, because we're just about to start our last program of 2023. We usually have another program that starts in the fall, but this year we're going to take the fall off. And so in just a few weeks, we will be welcoming a new set of feng shui students to take our feng shui practitioner training program. Yes. So we thought it would be good to do a podcast because I end up doing a lot of discovery calls and chats with people that are thinking about either joining our program or studying feng shui as a whole. And so what we did is we set up a list, just some points that um, are not frequently asked questions, but things that come up quite quite often, and things that maybe it would be good for you to think about before you decide to jump into this. So it's pretty broad, but we thought we'd start with uh, point one, which I will um, begin with, which is the idea that training, studying, practicing, whatever you call it, this learning this practice, learning feng shui, it's a lifelong journey right? So I think there's something to be said that, yes, you can learn it really quickly, parts of it, and you can get the basics down pretty easily. It does take some time to figure out how to apply all of those principles that you know, right? In real world settings. And before you get started, maybe you want to ask yourself, like, how do I want to approach this new new um, practice in my life? How do I want to study? How do I want to learn? Am I doing this as something for my personal development? Or do I want to become a feng shui consultant and work with others in their home? Do I want to practice feng shui on a deeper level? Do you want to integrate it into what you're already doing? It's good to think about things like for me personally, when I started studying feng shui, I just did it for personal development, even though I was working within architecture and I was curious about how I can integrate it into the work that I do. I didn't have any aspirations to actually become a feng shui practitioner or make a business out of it. It kind of just fell into my lap. What about you, Laura? 
I think I consciously did it because I wasn't feeling aligned with my current business. And I knew about feng shui and I dabbled in it for a while and kind of half learned it. And I did, for me, it was a conscious decision that I wanted to study it and I wanted to study it properly because I did think that it would integrate really well with what I was doing. Right. So I thought, oh, this will be good to offer my clients as well. What I didn't think about was, oh, maybe I'm going to shift the entire way I do my business. I mean, I didn't think about that. I thought, you know, I want to learn something that I'm passionate about, that I like, that I'm interested in. And it also, I think, is a good fit for what I'm currently doing. And I think my clients would be open to it. That's kind of where I thought about it. I didn't really think beyond that, but it, well, it, also, for me, it felt like a good fit. Well, also for you, you had shifted careers and you had your second career from marketing. You started in marketing and then you started studying interior design. You became an interior mm -hmm. designer. And then you took a feng shui, like a weekend feng shui course and started integrating mm -hmm. it, but then realized you knew, what did, what do you say? You knew just enough. <laughs> just enough to be dangerous. Yeah. I think that's the idea that you can pick up the basics pretty quickly, right? The foundational, like really simple things. And you can say, oh, I, I just learned all this stuff which was great. Then I'm like, oh, like, how do I go from there to standing with sitting with someone in their living room, having a cup of tea? And they tell me that, I don't know, they're pretty sure their husband is cheating on them. And they want to make sure the bedroom's set up right. And they're not sure what they're going to do next. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how to deal with this. So it was a little bit of that, like, the, yes, you can learn the basics. But then how do you hold space for someone? How are you compassionate? How are you effective? And how can you use the right feng shui adjustments and advice? Like that for me was a big deal. I wanted to get that. Yeah. Like for me, I got laid off and it was during the recession. So I was just like, I want to do this thing I've always wanted to do for me. And then just things started falling into my lap actually. So pro like I didn't want to start my own architecture business, but then people started calling me saying, hey, you just got your license. I need an architect. And then I signed up for the feng shui program that you and I studied in the three-year program. And then someone, a friend of mine said, I'm going to, I just gave your name to someone who's looking for a feng shui designer. And then I just, just kept taking classes and I wanted to become like a, an architect and find architecture clients. And then this kind of just all naturally evolved. And I never wanted to teach actually until Miss Laura Morris called me and said, hey, do you want to teach together? <laughs> and that was actually kind of a happy accident too, because Laura and I were invited by our teacher, Rosalie. She said, hey, do you guys want to teach this class together at one of our summer retreats? So we taught a class together and then we, you know, we had this story where we were walking the labyrinth together and we started just talking about like what we might want to do one day when our teachers retire. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very interesting. So anyway, back to like, so yeah, back to yeah. that is our story, but for you all out there who are like, I don't know, but it's what's good for me. So I think figure out why you're doing it. And it, I think what Angie's saying at the end of the day, we kind of ran around the circle on that is <laughs> if you decide to do it for personal development, you never know what it's going to turn into. Let's exactly. put it that way. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. So it might even be better to do it with that kind of curiosity and that kind of openness and just have fun. And actually we tell a lot of our students when they're coming on come with an open cup, 
Don't sit there and start to, okay, so I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to do this. It's really better to just sit back and be a student. So have fun learning. So that's fun. You like to learn. Perfect. It's great. If you do want to, you know, work with people in their homes, that will come. Okay. I think what's, I think what's important, the distinction, which I'll say is decide what you need to feel confident and comfortable with working with clients. So if you do know that's what it is, like what level of knowledge is going to make you feel like you can hold space for someone effectively. Mm -hmm. And I will also add that, and this is true of my own personal experience and many other trainings that I've ever done is remember what you get out of it is what you put into it. Okay. So that can be any kind of, I mean, it's an energy exchange basically. So, you know, it could be, yes, it could be the cost of the program, it, but it also more so I think is the time you invest in how, how passionate you are about it and how connected you get to it. So I would say all of those things are sort of the beginning parts of, you know, this is something that I want to study. And we're just saying the caveat is, is it might kind of go in a direction you didn't think. So it's good to have that passion and that desire at the beginning and know that it, like any modality that is like this kind of level, and it's, you know, um, it's based on Taoist philosophy and Eastern philosophies. I mean, these are not things you can pick up in a weekend. You know, this takes time, or well, you can pick up like a scrap, like a little bitty, bitty, bitty of it, but then to really feel comfortable, it takes a long time. It takes time. And to be kind to yourself and know that. Yes. Yes. Okay. And then I have my second point that I have here is, you should think about what your lifestyle can handle and what your learning style is best. So choose your style of study, how you want to do it. And there are different kinds of ways that you can learn this practice. I, I sort of talked about three. I have three on this list. So I'll do. I'll talk about the first one. And then Angie, you can talk about the, the last two points that are kind of together-ish. So the first one I say, there's a lot of options out there to do self-study. And so if that works for you time-wise and you think you can complete the program and learn it at that level, that is an option, right? It's usually something that's all there, ready for you. There's so many programs and, and countless different modalities that you can do it this way. Um, you know, it's different. The pricing is different, right? A self-study would be much different than doing something which involves your teacher holding your hand and helping you throughout the way. But but it can be an option, Um for some people that really need that flexibility and also are very self-directed. Yeah. I mean, actually a lot of our grads say that our program is the only program, only online program they ever finished because it isn't self-study that, that we teach, we teach it live. I mean, you, it is like self-study in the sense that you can absolutely do the whole program by recordings, not come live. Absolutely. And you can take as long as you want watching the material, but really that's not our recommendation. Our recommendation is to have a mentorship style study. So Laura and I were very fortunate to have mentors of our own that we still love. And they gave us their blessing to continue these teachings. And we modeled our program based on theirs so that you have guidance. And with our program, we have two teachers, Laura and myself. You also have a graduate from the program that's guiding a weekly call. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, like joining a community. I mean, I guess we could talk about it now, but I think mentorship is not just with a teacher, but also with a community. So many of our students, I just talked to a grad yesterday 
And he was saying that the most supportive part of the program was having the weekly group and being able to walk that six months with a group of people and to be able to share their aha moments. They created like a WhatsApp group. They checked in with each other. They all witnessed the growth and the transformation and the teachings and their interpretations and how they applied them and how they saw their clients apply them. So that kind of mentorship, not just with Laura and I as teachers or whatever teacher you have, but also, you know, you having the mentorship of fellow community members is so important. Yes. So a lot of people, I think, discount that. Like we're, I'm, we're trying to, this really, I, this wasn't really planned to be a pitch for our program, by the way, I just want to say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to try and make this, this is supposed to be broad. So I, so again, not saying self-study isn't the way to go. That could be your thing. Go for it. Also, it's a journey. Maybe you do a self-study to start and then you decide, yep, I really am interested in this, but this is not enough. I need to continue on and do something that's more hands-on, right? The mentorship part is important. And I think some people discount it and think, oh, it's going to be so much time. I don't know. But it might be the right fit for you. So just think about that. Yes, you are going to have to show up and turn your video on or be in class and talk to people. And sometimes that's really challenging for people. They're like, I just want to be in my little bubble and I just want to learn what I'm going to learn. And I don't want to talk to people about it. And I think there, I mean, I'm absolutely like that. But then when I get into an experience where I'm actually connecting with others, I I am like, you know what, this is actually really good. Like I get why this works. And then, okay, what? You could do it that way with our program too. We've definitely had maybe like one, like a five or 1% Mm -hmm. of people that join our program that don't come at all and just watch all the recordings because they don't want to interact. And there's plenty of programs where I do that too. Mm -hmm. I don't usually finish them, but I do think that there's a lot of value to that. And, and also just taking one class of one course is very valuable in general, but, but there is something important about aligning yourself with people, with mentors that have had a little bit more experience than you, not that they're better than you. Laura and I are really like, I mean, I know we're talking about our program again, but, but Laura and I are like, we're not going to be your guru. We're not going to be saving you and fixing your life we're actually there to hold space for you to find your own wisdom and your under own understanding of feng shui and we're very like we give you like lots of bumpers and hold the structure together but we don't we don't know all the answers but we do have a little bit more experience yeah and that kind of goes into the next points we'll talk about in a second which is choosing a teacher and you know a type of school because you know, there are different styles to how people teach and you should figure out what works best for you. So, okay. So we've said self-study is a possibility. And if that's all you want to, if that's how you want to learn, great. I will say it kind of falls into the, you get out of it, what you put in. And so that the level, when you start to do the mentorship and then the next part of this, the experiential part of it, of a learning. So that kind of, that type of learning, experiential learning. So if you're the kind of person that needs to be hands-on, that needs to experience a consultation, like walking through things, then you need to know that that's important. Like if you are kind of a visual learner, you could sit down and try and read the same slides and listen to the same videos over and over again, and it's just not landing, that you might be an experiential learner where, you know, you don't want to read a book, you want to watch somebody do it. 
And that was our program when Angie and I did our program, which is no longer around. It's it's dissolved now. A lot of our time was spent following our teachers around to different consultations. And so if you are an experiential learner, you want to make sure the program you choose does have the option to be able to watch real world consultations if that's what you want to do at the end of the day. Or some form of, it doesn't have to be consultation, something, whatever you're learning, whatever whatever the school is, you know, that you see a hands-on approach to it so that you can use your teacher as a model. Like a lot of this is teachers are modeling how, you know, you should you know, you should can do this particular exercise or this particular consultation, or it could be a dowsing session. It could be a space clearing. It could be a one-on-one consultation, whatever it is, that experiential component is incredibly valuable for that's how a lot of people learn. Right? Yeah. I think that's something that is kind of unique, like in the Western world, like say in the medical community, I think they have the saying, see one, do one, teach one. And if we talk about other Asian schools of thought and and practices, like I study Japanese flower arranging, ikebana and Japanese tea ceremony, and also feng shui, we're all kind of similar in a sense to like learning an instrument, right? Like the piano or also drawing too, learning the arts is that you kind of do something over and over and over and develop the craft like in tea ceremony, we literally make the same cup of tea. It's the same ceremony every week. There's not much different. Also with like art or like with music, right? I took piano growing up. You start with the scales. Laura is a painter. Like you start with very, very basics and you learn the scales and you do them over and over and over and over and over and over. Like you can redraw the same thing over and over and over. But then that's when it starts to get fun because you can actually play with it like if you went like I was doing this little experiment I would go out to the water the East River and take a picture of the water every day so it's a boring picture of the water every day maybe to someone else but to me I could start to see the nuances of how the water changed every day so that's also part of this experiential learning and also one other thing I want to share is like when I started studying tea ceremony I went for like a year or two without any books. And then at some point a teacher was like, did you ever get the book? And I said, no, I didn't know there was a book. So I got the book. The first thing I read in the introduction, it said, it would be a shame if you thought you could learn tea ceremony from reading a book. And I feel that this is the same for feng shui Mm -hmm. and most of the arts, right? It would Mm -hmm. be a shame if you thought that you could really become a feng shui practitioner and really learn feng shui just from reading it from a book. It's so experiential and everyone's experience in the classroom setting or with your community or with your friends or in consultation is, is so unique and special. Agreed. It reminded me of somebody, I don't know who it was. It was like some TV show where the guy was like a super recluse and he didn't like to interact with people. And so he insisted on taking a correspondence course on how to swim. <laughs> he refused to get <laughs> Anyway, I just think the same thing. It's kind of like, we're like, okay, you're not going to know how to swim. Anyway. Okay. Next one is choose your teacher or school of feng shui. So some people don't know this is that there are many types of, of and approaches and schools of feng shui. 
we have an episode where we talk about feng shui and we kind of go into that loosely. And I think we've got a blog post on it, but we won't get into all the perspectives and different types of schools, but just know that there are many perspectives and schools of feng shui. So the art might be taught by one teacher one way in one school, and then it might be taught by another school or teacher a different way. There are fundamental universal principles of feng shui that all schools teach, but you know, like any modality, there are different schools. So like yoga, you know, you can do Iyengar, you could do Ashtanga, you could do Kundalini, but they're all yoga, right? And they're all going to get you there, right? They're all going to get you to where you want to go. It's just what is the right way for you to get there. So you want to, you can do, and this is where Angie and I differ. Okay. So you could be the person that wants to do their research, right? Which yeah. Is Laura loves to, so <laughs> So Laura and I have this funny relationship I and mean, we get along really well, but Laura will be like, okay, I want to set things up and do some research and get prepared. And then I'm just like, why don't we just throw it out the wall and see if it sticks? There's no one right way. So sometimes our students may ask me a question and I'll say, mm, you know, maybe Laura would give a better answer for that. Like maybe Laura would say you need to be 10 feet away for that to be spacious and better feng shui and I would say no I need to be like five feet away there's also like the environment is it a city is it a country and even if we tie it back to the Asian perspective of teaching like in tea ceremony and in flowers my teachers are tell us like every teacher is going to tell you something different and they're going to contradict each other but they're both right that's the Asian point of view it's yes and it's that paradoxical thinking. It's yin and yang, not not one or the other. There, it's non-binary. It's both. So yes, Laura and I could contradict each other, but we could still both be correct. It kind of expands your viewpoint, but also like this is true for the schools too. We were always taught from our teachers that Professor Linyan, who brought BTB Feng Shui to the West, he said all schools of Feng Shui are correct. And that one is not better than the other, but Laura and I have decided that we resonate with BTB Feng Shui and this is what we teach. And we've chosen to pass on a lineage of teachings with accuracy. And that's something that is important to us. So we find that lineage and teaching from a lineage point of view and teaching as our teachers taught us and passing down that lineage is important. But other schools of feng shui, like classical feng shui and you know all the other ones that we talked about in our other episode, those are all correct as well. Mm -hmm. And so, well, I will often get people to ask me, well, well, how do you know which one's right? Like, how do you know? What if I make a mistake? <laughs> First of all, I think you're overthinking it at that point. I really do think you need to just become familiar with the teacher, become familiar with what they do, get to know them a little bit if you can, listen, read, watch, whatever it takes. You might be the kind of person that does need to do their research. And so that's fine. If you need to do your due diligence to feel good, then that brings you ease, then do it. There are a couple of, I mean, I would suggest two things. One, I would suggest the IFSG, which is the International Feng Shui Guild. They have a directory where you can go through a whole bunch of different schools and people and all that. Or you can see, you know, if you're on Instagram or maybe you're following somebody, maybe you're like, oh, I wonder who they studied with. You know, I like their, I like what they, I wonder who they studied with. And it's important to ask, right? And see if you want to ask, maybe look at, do some research and ask them. That could be one way. And then the other way is you can do both, right? The other thing is to use your intuition or your gut or your 
you know, listen to your sign, the signs, listen to what's showing up for you. And I think you just need to, you know, stop intellectualizing it too much at a certain point and say, who do I want to spend a hundred hours listening to <laughs> or whatever it is? Because <laughs> that's pretty important, right? Like, you know, the thought of you listening to me talk for, you know, half of those hundred hours might be like nails on a chalkboard. I don't know. So you need to find someone that resonates with you, right? That you like to be with and that you respect, that you are fun, that is engaging and all the other things, you know. Angie, do you have any more thoughts on that? Yeah, well, that leads us to just saying, you know, listen to your intuition, listen to your heart, listen to who's been showing up for you if something connects with you or someone connects with you or some school connects with you and you resonate with them and trust that because mm -hmm. if you don't honor that it's a disservice to yourself but also to the teacher yes agreed the last point we wanted to bring up is it, it kind of circles back to the first one which is it this is a lifelong practice and so you know you might go off find yourself this little program that you want to do a certification program it might be ours might be somebody else's I don't know but you go through it and then you graduate you complete it okay you are quote a graduate or you're certified somehow I would say that I wouldn't just say okay we're done you know dust your hands off you know and you're done it's again you want to continue to learn now you don't have to go out and do another training or another this and that there's there's other ways to do it you can join a community right? You can create your own community with an accountability group from your students, your fellow students, your fellow cohort. And then I would say the biggest thing, if you don't want to do that, is just to go back and review and reread and practice. Because you've learned already, if you've done um, a comprehensive program that you felt you, know, you loved and you felt like, God, I learned so much, now I want to learn more. You know what? Maybe pump the brakes and just go back and really think about what you've already learned. Because remember, Angie said you can do the same tea ceremony over and over and over again, or the same adjustment or the same whatever it is, and you will find something new in it. I guarantee that. Yes. And, you know, just to touch back on the community and to plug our, our course a little bit is that Laura and I actually set up our course so that there's only 18 people. So you have a small cohort, you know, everybody else. And we also set up a weekly call with a smaller group and you are invited to show up for each other every week. And even though you may not make your best friends, you've made connections to a community that you can share your aha moments with that will understand what you're talking about. Because once you really dive into feng shui not many people can understand this practice because you've gone deeper than most and so just like when you go to like a community group or you take an art class or you you go to a book club like you can't talk about that book that you're reading in the book club with everybody else generally but you can really dive deep with that group that you're walking that path with so we found that all of our students, I think like 99% of the people that we talked to, the graduates say the most supportive thing was that community group. And I know I've taken other certifications where a small community group, a cohort was not created. And I feel like I thrive in that kind of community because just showing up for other people makes things such a difference and being able to share your aha moments as well and having people see you. Agreed. So 
that's it. That's all we have. So yes, this might have been a little more of a pitch for our program than I initially intended. You can blame Angie for that. I, <laughs> but I do think it's important. All that joking aside, I mean, obviously that's what we do. I mean, we teach feng shui, so we can't deny that. But we we don't want students that don't want to be with us, you know. So again, like do you know do that soul searching? Think about it, you know. Go through the process. But if your heart sings and you're like, oh my God, like I'm so excited and you're like, you can't wait, that tells you something. So listen to your gut and do what you need to do to feel comfortable going forward. But I would say fundamentally, don't take the passion out of it. Don't take the fun out of it. Don't suck all that out of it. Because the first thing you want to do is you want to do it because you love it. You want to do this because it's what you're interested in and you want to learn more about it. And sometimes you just got to not overthink that. You just got to do it. Yep. So I think yep. that's a good wrap. Sorry, <laughs> I okay. got the unmute button wasn't working. Yep. So I think that wraps up our hows, whys, and whats of training to become a feng shui practitioner and maybe learn more about our program than you wanted to, but thank you for listening. And thank you for listening to our podcast, the Holistic Spaces podcast. You can tune in every week for a new episode. And if you like our podcast and this episode, Please share it with others, subscribe, and leave a review. Be sure to sign up for our mailing list. You can go to mindfuldesignschool.com slash join or look through the show notes. There'll be a link to click through to our mailing list. And we have special events only available for our newsletter subscribers. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.